we all need that human contact and for people to to make us feel like we matter and and I think that's what we try to do every year. Most of us feel overwhelmed planning, cooking, serving, and of course, cleaning up from Thanksgiving dinner for just our extended families. Imagine doing it for 25,000 people. Yes, you heard that right, 25,000. I'm Elizabeth Pearson Gar, and this is the Experience Podcast. On this episode, we experience what it's like to host the biggest Thanksgiving feast under one roof in the United States. 42 years ago, Raul Jimenez had an idea to help some local senior citizens who might be lonely at Thanksgiving. As we'll hear from his daughter, Patricia Jimenez, that dream has grown exponentially into an annual tradition for the city of San Antonio, Texas. Hi, Patricia. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so impressed with what you and your family and your organization do. You know, most people are uh, overwhelmed by just cooking Thanksgiving for their own family, their own extended Mm -hmm. family. And here you do it for thousands upon thousands, up to 25,000 people for, for decades. It's such an impressive feat. Well, I do want to say that this started out as my father's dream because he wanted to give back to the community in gratitude for everything that the San Antonio community had done for he and my mom because they had a business. And, you know, they started in 1953. And now in 1979, he was like, it's time for us to give back. You know, it's because of the community that we have the success that we do. But I don't just want to give back without really finding something that I'm passionate about, but also where there's a need. And he had a lot of respect for his grandmother. He uh, admired senior citizens. He thought they were very wise, but he also knew that many of them were alone and didn't have a place to be on Thanksgiving and maybe not even have the resources. And so he told my mom, I I wanna have a little dinner and I wanna feed a few people. But anybody who knew my dad knew that, you know, he wanted to do more and more. So for him, a little was like really big in the eyes of others. <laughs> and and so my mom said, well, what do you mean? Like how many people? And he said, oh, about a couple of hundred. And she said, uh-huh. that was a little. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so my mom was a pillar of strength for our whole family. And, you know, she was very supportive of him. And she said, okay, so how are you going to do this? And he said, well, I'm going to enlist friends from the community. And because he was a businessman, you know, he had a lot of contacts, not only in the business community, but with the city of San Antonio. And they said, okay, we'll help you out. We'll lend you the facility but we don't think people will be available for this. It's Thanksgiving. You wait and see how many people are going to come to this. And so the first year, uh, it was about 200 senior citizens that attended in 1979. And that was just people donating the food and their time? Well, my father funded it out of his own pocket and just pretty much solicited his friends and said, hey, I need help. And so people came and said, okay, we'll help you. And, um, Maybe they had a a small 
announcement for a little, a few volunteers, but uh, he, he did it from the heart. And of course I say my mom is the co-founder because she also was in agreement and supported him. It yeah. started out like that. And the reason I bring that up is because shortly thereafter, people were like, this is a really nice thing that you're doing. And it actually started to grow due to the $5 donations and the $10 donations. People just started sending without anyone asking them, this is a nice thing you do. It's the culture of our city. We are a big city, San Antonio, but it seems like it operates like a small town and people just come together, you know, for any type of call to action when there's a big need. People just find it in their hearts to give. So I attribute the success and, you know, us being able to do what we do because of all the generous people in our city. So when did it grow to be so big, so many thousands of people that you serve? Well, I think, well, my father passed away in 1998. And I think at that time we were about 19,000. So it started out small in 1979 and progressively grew from that point. I'm thinking that for the last 15 years, we've been at about 25,000 under normal circumstances pre-pandemic. And, you know, people were saying to us, you know, nobody will feel bad if you have to cancel this because, you know, everything was pretty much shut down. And we were like, if somebody can go to McDonald's and pick up a burger through the drive-thru, we have to find a way to continue to help people because the people that we're helping, you know, they really need the help. They don't have the options that other people have to stay home or order out through DoorDash. And uh, so... We said we have to do something in whatever capacity that we can. We have to do something. And uh, the, the convention center was shut down. Everybody was furloughed pretty much. But they came together and said, OK, we're going to allow you to do curbside. And so with the help of volunteers, volunteer drivers, we were able to deliver almost almost 9000 meals last year. Wow. Yeah. And this is, is it still to seniors or is it also to people experience homelessness? Oh my goodness. Thank you for bringing that up. When my father first started, it was started out as for seniors, but now it's, everyone is welcomed because we feel like, you know, somebody might be, maybe they can afford to have a meal, but if they're alone and don't have a place to be, they can find the fellowship. And, you know, we say it's a feast of the heart because it helps feed the soul. So naturally, we help seniors, underprivileged families, veterans, the homeless. And how did we do that? Last year, we had a lot of nonprofit organizations that have that connection with various groups and people that come to them for their services. And we were able to collect data from that. And through the United Way, we had a number that they could call to reserve a meal. But that included the homeless because there are several nonprofits that that is part of their mission. They have that permission to go out and, you know, in their vehicles to help get meals to the homeless. So I can only imagine what this experience is like coordinating an effort like this. It must take all year to plan it and then executing on it, you know, getting the food, getting the volunteers, cooking it and serving it. Can you go into some of that? How do you plan this and how do you actually prepare everything? Yes. Well, um, through the help of so many people, but 
you know, I think with any event, you have to kind of start backwards. Like you start with the end goal. What was it? What do you want to happen? And then you take one step back. And so it is a, a entire year endeavor. And we have a committee of, of individuals that some of them have been helping us. Actually, some of them have passed on already. And the only reason they're no longer with us is because they retired and then they, they've passed on. But we've had volunteers tier committee members who have been with us for 20 or so years. They give up their, you know, Thanksgiving, obviously, and and we have planning meetings. But um, the only thing I can say is that people coming together and um, fundraising, and we have people who have donated since my father started this. Um, Maybe they didn't necessarily donate food at that given moment, but they were his colleagues. And then when he opened it up for people to accept donations, we've had people that have been donating our spices pretty much all the whole duration of the time uh, when he started to ask for donations. So I want to say maybe 38, 39 years of just donating every year. Oh, and and there's so many other things that people don't realize. You have to um, engage the entire community and people ask us, how on earth have you been able to keep it going so long? And one, it's because of the generosity of our, of our community, but because of generation upon generation coming to experience the event, either as a volunteer or as a sponsor or even as a dinner guest. You know, I feel like when everybody comes together, people are being blessed in, in various ways. Either they're being rewarded by being a blessing that day or receiving a gift. Like I like to say, you are the giver and the gift. So we have people that are now, you know, donors that were sitting as a dinner guest as a child. You know, this really impacted us. Like this is a true story. This young man, he said, I was there with my mom and I have two other siblings and it was not a happy time for us, but we never were felt, we weren't made to feel ashamed or, you were here for a charity case or that you weren't accepted or you were being judged. We felt welcomed and everybody was just there united. And now he's a donor. Maybe they as a volunteer came to help and now they want to teach their children the lesson of you have to give back when, you know, we have to share our blessings with others. And at the same time, not everyone is as fortunate We've had all kinds of successful stories like that. So I think, you know, with people experiencing the event, different generations at different times, uh, it's touched somebody to the point where they're passing on, you know, and, and paying it forward, as they say. Yeah. So you you fundraise throughout the year. And then with all the money you raise, do you just put in a huge order for food? And then you're also given donations of food? Yes, we want to make sure that it stays what we like to call like a grassroots effort so that somebody that might say, well, I can't be a sponsor, but I want to do a canned good drive. Well, yeah, that's possible. So we have people that do canned good drives, different organizations, but we also accept donations. A $5 donation can help feed two individuals on Thanksgiving. And then, as you mentioned about the order, uh, we're very fortunate. Um, the RK group, they're the caterer, the official caterer for the San Antonio Convention Center. And so they have their kitchens in-house. 
So anybody who comes for a big uh, function, you know, any type of, you know, gala or business conference, they handle all the catering. So they're experts. Well, they've been a sponsor helping us actually all 42 years because they used to lend us their kitchen facilities and then it grew into them making the donation of the turkeys. Uh, so to your point about the food, we have experts that can help us. Not only do they understand the quantities that we need, but they have buying power because they buy this all year long for different events. So they kind of help us secure things at the best price. And especially this year, prices have gone up and there's some shortages. And so they were able to get us everything we needed. So we're very blessed in that capacity. And you serve a traditional Thanksgiving dinner with the turkey and the potatoes and the stuffing and a few sides of the pumpkin pie and things? Yeah, with, with a few exceptions. Some people serve mashed potatoes. What we do is we have the turkey, uh, the gravy, the stuffing, and then we have yams and green beans, and then the pumpkin pie and a roll. It seems to work well. I haven't had any complaints on the pumpkin pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love pumpkin pie. Oh, so do I. <laughs> Who can complain? So do you know how many turkeys or how many pies they they make to serve that many people? Well, the catering company does not make the pies, but we usually order about 3,000 pies under normal wow. circumstances. 3,000 pies, because we normally feed 25,000. This year, we're still doing the drive-through delivery. So the numbers are a little bit less, 12, well, about half, 12,500. But under normal circumstances where everybody gathers at the convention center, it takes about over 6,000 pounds of green beans and yams and the turkeys, which the catering company, the arcade group donates the turkeys. And it's usually about 550 big, big turkeys. We're talking about 24 pounders. <laughs> Wow. And they must be cooking from a few days in advance to get yes. all that. Well, you're, you're a very smart lady. Some people think that we just show up the day before, but we're actually, <laughs> yes, exactly. We're, we're in the kitchen the Sunday prior. That's when the turkeys are delivered. And all of the work, except for the supervision of the chefs, it's a, it's a group of 10 chefs that supervise from beginning to end. We normally are in the kitchen from Sunday up until Thursday and the work, the big heavy lifting, you know, roll up your sleeve type of work is done by volunteers with the supervision of the chefs. So it takes from beginning to end. And keep in mind, we're talking about an event where we all gather at the convention center from beginning to end. It's about 4,000 volunteers. Wow. So 10 chefs and 4,000 volunteers. Those volunteers aren't all in the kitchen. These are volunteers helping set up the dining room and yes. do everything, right? And then when the day of, yeah, we set up decorations. And uh, the day of, people are in the serving lines just nonstop. Because my father had said, you know, I don't want this to be something where people have to wait in line. Oh, so do they have a set time that the guests will come at a particular time? Well, we open the doors at 9 a.m., and uh, we serve coffee. They can sit in. We have a lot of homeless individuals that come in. They just can't wait for the doors to open because even though we don't have harsh winters, it still gets a little cold overnight. And so they'll be ready for that coffee. And 
well, we open the doors at nine and by 1030, we start serving because we have to be sensitive to some senior citizens too. You know, they wake up early. So maybe 1030 is really like 12 or one for the rest of us. <laughs> They're ready for that Thanksgiving feast. Yes. And another beautiful component about of the event, and I'm, I just am very touched about it because it encompasses kids, elementary school children. They make all of our centerpieces and they make all of our placemats that have beautiful messages. And a lot of them come um, laminated. So our, our dinner guests, especially seniors, they are so delighted to take them home. Yeah, it's so lovely. It's very touching. It's very touching. Yes. And that shows kids from when they're very small about, you know, doing things for others in need and no Thanksgiving as a holiday of to, you know, give thanks. So, yeah. And help others. Oh, of course. Yes. So the other big part of Thanksgiving after all the preparation and all the eating comes the cleanup. Oh, who does all the cleanup? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, we always have a more of a challenge getting people to come for that, but we do have like some very committed individuals. And so our committee stays because that's, that's kind of like the norm. If you're on the committee, you know, you definitely have to be available on Thanksgiving and you shut it down. So as a group, we feel like everybody's contributing hundred percent. No one's doing less than somebody else. We do that. Plus uh, there's a cleanup crew sh- uh, shift that happens from about five to seven. And we have some people who say, Hey, we eat Thanksgiving at noon. We get to watch, you know, football and then it's time to, you know, unwind. And this is our good deed for the day. So they'll come and help us. There's a lot of dishes, a lot, oh, a lot of pans and pots and things in the kitchen. So uh, I can only imagine <laughs> we have a lot in our kitchen and we're not feeding a fraction of how many you're feeding. Yes. I mean, it's, it's the least popular thing. I think in any household, the cleanup part. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> so. Well, your family must be so proud of what your father started and what is continuing every year. I mean, what an incredible tradition. Thank you. Um, I uh, get teary eyed sometimes because, you know, my dad's been gone since 1998 and um, it could have gone either way, you know, but people stuck by us and, and we're very grateful. That's a big gift that people give us each year because um, it was his dream. He put his whole heart into it. And for many years, it continued. And the reason I feel like, you know, when my dad died, people said, yeah, we're going to, you know, stick with them, see what happens. And they made a commitment was because it no longer is just one man's tradition. It's actually become a San Antonio tradition. People take it personal. This is what San Antonio is known for. So we're just grateful to be walking walking this journey with the San Antonio community. And it makes me feel very honored and humbled because it's something that my dad started. And I think I would be pretty shattered if people had said, "Mm, well, maybe it's time to call it quits. So there's a lot to be grateful for. Yeah. And it's lovely though, that you've carried it on, you know, and that it is really what the spirit of the holiday is. It's giving thanks, but also sharing, sharing your blessings. Yes, absolutely. Um, As I said, anybody who has 
come to the event. Even San Antonio's San Antonians that live here, they have no idea. They think they see it on television and they understand it, but it's not until they physically go there that it takes their awakening of the event to a different level. Like they're like, wow, I just can't believe this. And when we're in the convention center, you have thousands of people together, but it doesn't seem it doesn't seem chaotic. It's very harmonious. People are happy to be there. I just don't know how to explain it, but we're very grateful. And who knows, maybe this will inspire some other cities to incorporate something like this. I know that uh, right now we're the largest from a capacity of having everything in one location, but I know there are a lot of, I mean, across the United States, a lot of people that are doing great work. Like I like to say, there's always enough love for everyone to go around. (laughs) There's enough to spread around. You know, some people, we've had this one gentleman and this lady, they've come several times and they just take a trip and that's their vacation holiday and they have a meal and they always make a donation. It's not required. At first, I had to really work hard to let them know we don't charge anything for the meal, but they wanted to give a donation and they came and that's how they spent the Thanksgiving. And then they got an apron and started helping. That was how they decided to go away for the holiday. So um, that's so sweet. They came as guests yeah. and then they ended up as volunteers. <laughs> yeah. And, and they just said, I, we wanted to come see this. We just couldn't you know, wrap our heads around it. So, you know, you might, if you're listening and you're not from Texas and you want to come and, and join us next year, you know, you can start thinking about that now. <laughs> yeah. Never too early to plan. Cause you guys are probably the day after Thanksgiving, you're planning for 2022. Oh yes. We're always planting the seed uh, with budget preparations. So, I mean, we're kind of working simultaneously sometimes on, on things how do you do the fundraising? Do you have like uh, events well, or we, is it more? Our, we have a radiothon, as a matter of fact, one whole day, it's dedicated just to talking about the dinner and taking a caller donations. And they really responded well. Well, you know, I think it's one of these things that good begets good, right? You're doing something yes. that's so nice for people and so great for the community and that touches people's hearts. And so they want to be a part of that. Yes. And it's amazing because, you know, somebody asked me about who are these people that we're delivering to. And I can personally vouch for a couple of the the deliveries that I haven't personally made. And I remember this one lady, she was by herself in a wheelchair. And, uh, you know, literally when we knocked on the door to deliver, she had to struggle to open the door, but you could tell she was alone and that was probably going to be the only meal of the day. She didn't have anything in her cupboard or the refrigerator was quite empty. And I mean, it's very sad, but she was just in her undergarments and, you know, probably struggling, you know, with the, the daily activities of life. And, but once we sat there and talked with her for a few minutes, her face lit up and she was a different person because we all need that human contact and for people to, to make us feel like we matter. And, And I think that's what we try to do every year. And um, that was just one story. You know, if you don't have family to help you, you know, you can feel very isolated and alone. Yeah. And especially at holiday time, it can feel even worse. Yes. So it's lovely that you're reaching out to people this time And that's what my father's, um, his mantra was, 
We come into this world with nothing and we leave with nothing. What counts is what we do in between. I believe in caring and sharing. And that's what he did his whole life. Oh, he sounds like a wonderful guy. Thank you. Yes. Um, I know there are a lot of good people out there that are just doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. So, yeah. Well, what a, it's a great legacy. His legacy will live on in this dinner and through you and your family. It's very inspiring. I, I love the story. I love the whole family connection. Well, thank you for sharing your stories with me. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. And um, I wish you happy Thanksgiving and happy Raul Jimenez dinner. Yes. Thank you. And happy Thanksgiving. All of the listeners that are out there listening, we wish you a, a blessed, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you. I admire Patricia and her huge team of volunteers for their commitment to helping their community. Here are some of my takeaways. Number one, have an idea? Do it. Act on it. It could change an entire community. Two, welcome everybody. Three, join in to give back. There's a role for everyone. A $5 donation, some canned goods, even scrubbing a pot at the end of a meal. Maybe especially scrubbing a pot at the end of a meal. Four, a little bit of human kindness goes a long way. And finally, number five, there's always enough love for everyone to go around. I'm grateful to Patricia Jimenez for sharing her time with me, especially during her very busy season leading up to the big Thanksgiving dinner. If you're interested in learning more about the event, you can check out their website at raulhimenezdinner.com. Please visit our website, theexperiencepodcast.net, to explore other episodes, find out how to follow us on social media, and sign up for our insiders list. And if you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It helps others discover us. I'm Elizabeth Pearson Gar. Thanks for joining in The Experience. <laughs>